Okay. Backtrack just a little bit. This is Eleanor Mann. Today is August 3rd, and we are talking about How to Love Your Husband, Part 2. We already talked about um, we love our husbands by first loving God. We love our husbands by willing to submit to his authority. We love our husbands by showing him respect. And so we're going to go on from that today. The next area in which we show our husbands we love him is by making our home a refuge for him. Um, let's see. I will ask some people if you can read. If it is possible for you to read, that would be a, um, a great addition to our study. If it's not possible because of background noise or your bandwidth or anything like that, just let me know. That's not a problem. Okay? So, Mandy, can you read Proverbs 14.1? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Okay. So... The Bible says that if we are wise, we are going to be building a house, not tearing it down. But it is possible to do that. It's a choice that we make. And one way that you uh, build your house, an important way, is by making it a refuge for your husband. And one of, and one of the key ways that you do that is by establishing some kind of order in your home. Your specific standards will be individualized according to your comfort level, but your home should be in order so that it is comfortable for your husband and children. They should be able to relax and feel at ease when they come home. Your husband should feel welcome and not be tripping over toys or dirty laundry. But let me say here that if you visited my home, you would know that it is not immaculate. The key is to determine what level is comfortable for your family. Um, I have a friend whose husband wanted everything in its place. And uh, if there was anything out of place or any clutter, he, was, he could not relax. He was very uncomfortable. So she worked very hard to maintain that level of organization for him because that is what made the, his home a refuge. Um, my husband does not have that same desire. He, uh, he likes to have things in order, but he, uh, to be honest, he really doesn't see mess. <laughs> so it doesn't bother him. So what communicates a refuge to him is if I'm available to greet him at the door, if I am um, fixing a meal that he likes, uh, if I keep his clothes clean so that when he opens his drawer he has underwear and socks to wear. You know, there are a lot of things I can do to make our home a refuge for him for him to feel like he can relax and feel safe and kind of unwind from the day. But um, we don't have a super high standard in terms of um, neatness. Um, there's a sign that used to be 
I saw posted somewhere that said, my house is, let me see if I can remember it, um, clean enough to be healthy and dirty enough to be happy. <laughs> I'm not sure how scriptural that is, but in terms of a lifestyle, um, I think that's okay. So in other words, what matters is what makes you comfortable, what level. Um, There is a verse, um, Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous one runs into it and is safe. And that's talking specifically about God being our safe place and God being our refuge. But I think in the homes that he's given us, um, we can uh, create a real refuge in that uh, in that venue, our home should be a refuge for our husbands and family. And it really doesn't matter how big your home is or how expensive it is or um, what kind of furnishings you have in it. Um, it has more to do with atmosphere and the fact that um, you do have a level of uh, cleanliness um, so that if you have unexpected guests drop in, you are not embarrassed, but it doesn't have to look like um, the cover of a magazine all the time. Now, I hope that I hope that is not confusing. I hope that is clear. First Corinthians fourteen thirty three says, "For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace." <coughs> Excuse me. Let me get a drink real quick. This passage deals with specifically with order in the church. But it also is a statement about the nature of God, <clears throat> which is that he is a God of peace and of order. The same God who lined up genetic codes on DNA strands when he created the universe is the God that we worship, is the God who's involved in our lives. So we don't want, when someone, when our husband first opens the door coming home from work, we don't want him to be met with a house that is characterized by confusion, but a house that is characterized by peace. Uh, some men like to come home and just have a little bit of quietness. They might even want to go back in the bedroom or go somewhere where they can relax for a little bit, and then they come out and greet the family. My husband liked the children to run meet him at the door and hug him and tell him how glad they were to see him. So that's what I mean when I say your standard is based on what your husband likes and what makes him feel relaxed and at home and like he is in a safe place. Proverbs 17.1 says, Better is a dry morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting with strife. So we want to um, aim for that quietness rather than strife. And it has nothing to do with how, um, what our income level is. 
it has completely to do with the atmosphere that we create in the home and our attitude in it. And I think that the mother, the wife, the woman is the one who creates the atmosphere of the home with her attitude, with how she handles difficulty, with um, the amount of attention she gives to her home. We'll be talking about that as we get further into this passage in Titus. But I think we very much are the determiners of the atmosphere in our home. And so our goal is to make it a refuge for our families. <clears throat> and that's what we're aiming for. Proverbs 19.13. Um, Chigo, can you read for us today? Um, <laughs> yes, I can. I can. Thank you. Proverbs can you hear me? Yes, I can. You're doing great. Proverbs 19.13. Okay, Proverbs 19.13. Okay, sorry. I'm taking your time. Let me read. A foolish child is a father's room, and a quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof. I think this creates such a word picture. Did you hear me? It talks about... Did you hear me? Yes, I can. You did a great job. Thank you. You did a great job. Um, but if we allow our children to, to be foolish in their behavior then um, that, that will destroy their relationship with their father and it uh, destroys his confidence in himself. It does not make for a peaceful refuge of a home. And then if we add to that our own um, contentions, which means arguing, griping, complaining, uh, meeting him at the door with a list of what the children have done that day and how all these people have mistreated us and how unhappy we are, then that can be as annoying as the constant dripping of water. Have you ever been lying in bed and the house is quiet and then you hear water dripping somewhere? And it, it is so difficult to get to sleep in that situation because the dripping is just constant and it becomes such an annoyance. So that's what a contentious wife can be. We don't want that in our homes. That does not make for a, a home that is a refuge. We want to create an atmosphere of peace, both in our relationships within our, with our children and with our husband. And, and we want to be committed to the same goals as a family Because children will mirror what they see in adults. If they see their mother manipulating to get around showing respect to their father, then they will learn how to get, how to get out from under authority in their own lives, whether it's the authority of their teacher or if it's the th authority later of their employer, if whether it's parental authority. If they see us Try doing whatever we can in order to avoid living under that authority, they will figure out how to do the same thing. Sometimes um, 
we don't realize that we reap what we sow in terms of our children's attitudes. And if they see a, a, a negative attitude in us, they will develop that same attitude. And then they can even start thinking that that's normal rather than realizing that, no, that's not normal. It's something that God wants to change and doesn't want us to live under as a regular thing. So we're talking about making our home a refuge for our husbands. And these are some ways that we can do it and some things to avoid. The next area in how to love your husband, a way to do that, is to be available to comfort your husband physically. Um, lady, can you read for us today? Okay, can you read Genesis 24, verses 6 and 7? Genesis 24, Genesis 6 and 7. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. um, no, Abraham responded, Be careful never to treat my son though. For the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send his angels ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. You know, um, but, I think I gave you, I may have given you the wrong verse. Let me double check. That's not the one I'm looking for. It's Genesis chapter 24. Ah, I told you wrong. Pardon me. It should be Genesis chapter 24, verse 67, not 6 and 7. I was wondering, I thought, hmm, that doesn't sound like what I wrote down. But that's because I gave you the wrong verse to read. It's the wrong number in my notes too so i apologize so genesis 24 verse 67 verse 67 mm -hmm. and isaac brought rebecca into his mother's uh sarah's tent and she became his wife he loved her deeply and she was a special comfort to him after the death of his mother when I the first time I read this verse in the context of being available to comfort my husband physically, I was totally floored. I couldn't believe it. I had to read it about four times. <laughs> because the way a man is comforted is so different from the way we women are comforted. Okay. Because men are comforted by sexual fulfillment. They just are. And excuse me, ladies, if you have, ch we are talking about uh, sex right now. So if you do have young children in the room with you, you are welcome for them to stay. That's up to you. But you will have a lot of questions <laughs> if they are old enough to, to ask questions. So um, just wanted to give you a heads up for this section. Okay, so men are comforted by sexual fulfillment. They desire and need sex after times of great excitement, stress, or grief. 
Women, on the other hand, are comforted by our husbands listening to us and holding us. And there's no right or wrong in this. It's just a way in which men and women are different. You all may already know this, but I had been married years and years before this verse communicated to me, this truth. So I was so glad to understand. Usually the last thing we want when we are emotionally spent is sex. But for men, when they are emotionally spent, this need comes to the forefront. It becomes stronger. A wife can really minister to her husband at this time. Yeah. It's also important for us to know that for our husbands, some of the greatest times of sexual temptation will be when they are stressed. Yeah. And that's this is an illustration from Scripture because it's, uh, Isaac's mother had died, and the way he was comforted was he that Rebecca became his wife and they went into his mother's tent and had sex. And that was a real comfort to him. And it was a way that Rebecca ministered to him. So it is something for us to be aware of as a way that we can comfort our husbands and minister to them. And it's not wrong that they need this. It doesn't mean that he is some kind of um, yielding to some kind of primitive desire. It's the way God made him. It's a legitimate need. And it is one that actually we are the only solution to having it met. The only uh, godly solution to having this need met is for us to meet it for our husbands. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy our physical relationship too, because the Bible very clearly teaches that uh, relations between husband and wife are not just for procreation, that they are also for personal enjoyment. But it just means that we are tuned in to the fact that our husbands are wired differently than we are, and that there are situations where we can really minister to him in this area. Okay, Proverbs 5. Uh, Ketty, can you read Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 19? Oh. Uh, Proverbs 5, verse 15 to 19. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Okay, good. Now, um, if you looked at the first part of this proverb, it is talking about how to, uh, it's a father talking to his son, and he's giving him instruction on how to, uh, how to avoid the pitfalls of sexual immorality. How to avo avoid, uh, calls it an adulteress. And then this passage comes in that says, drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Well, that's us, ladies. We're the cistern and we're the well. We're the source of refreshment for him. Yeah. Um, this passage speaks of a physical relationship that is a blessing, fulfilling, producing great enjoyment and satisfaction. The word picture is of a man in the desert. 
Um, yes, is of a man in the desert, terribly thirsty, and then he finds a well full of water, sweet water, and he enjoys it completely, not just taking a little sip, but immersing himself in it completely and joyfully. So don't let your physical relationship become a duty. Let it be, um, a, you can be consciously aware that you are ministering to your husband, but let it be something that we do joyfully and as a, a, an aspect of our love for him and as a gift that we give him. First um, Corinthians 7, verses 3 through 5, the, especially verse 5 says, Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This was another verse that hit me between the eyes. I was, like, I was always read this chapter in 1 Corinthians as a single woman for years and years and years. And mm. then you go through a little 30-minute ceremony and everything is switched and completely different. And in this verse it says, stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time. And it talks about prayer and then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So my application was from this verse was to not say no. When my husband was feeling affectionate, not to use being tired or having a headache or a hard day or anything else as an excuse, but to eagerly respond and positively respond to his desire for our relationship. Um, now that means that sometimes, especially with small children, that I needed to plan ahead. I needed to have our house in enough order so that uh, I could get some kind of rest in the middle of the day so that I would be fresh for him in the evening. It meant that I needed to um, be uh, focused enough on the home so that I could get dinner started early enough so that we ate early enough so that was there so there was some evening left afterwards for us to spend together. And I needed to um, teach our children to go to bed when we told them to and to stay in bed so that my husband and I had some time together. So they're kind of some prerequisites to being able to say this. But basically, um, it's a pretty direct passage. I, f I feel like the scripture is saying, um, don't use all the different excuses we can come up with. And they may be valid in terms of you are tired. You do have a headache. You have had a bad day. But you can lay those things aside. We, emotions are not bad. They are a part of us. And God's given them to us to add flavor to our lives and our relationships. But we don't have to live our lives controlled by our emotions because that's unstable. In a way, I can love my husband selflessly. 1 Corinthians 13 love is to be totally available to him and responsive to him and appreciating the fact that he wants to have a relationship with me and not uh, penalizing him uh, for any reason or preventing that from happening. 
excuse me, my throat gets dry from all this talking. <laughs> um, so, do not deprive your husband of the physical aspect of your relationship. Do not use withholding sex as a weapon or as punishment when you are upset. And I have to confess that I almost felt victim to this last night because I had gotten my feelings hurt over something that happened. And uh, when we talked about it, John apologized and I appreciated that and I said it was okay, but my emotions were still up there. So when he made a gesture to be affectionate, it was all I could do not to pull back because I didn't feel like it. But I thought, no, you know, he's apologized. We've talked through it. I, uh, one of the verses in 1 Corinthians 13 says, love, love does not keep account of evil or mm. keep account of wrongs. And that's what I was doing. I was thinking, well, you haven't really proven that you're sorry. So I'm not going to reward you. <laughs> but then, you know, God just faithfully said, Eleanor, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's not the way you respond to your husband. So it is so easy to use sex as a weapon and to punish him when we're upset with him by depriving him of that. And um, that's not showing love to him. It's not honoring God. And it's, it's really unhealthy because it can get to be a habit. It can get to be a pattern. Uh, because if you have young children, you're always going to be tired. You're always going to have a headache. <laughs> You'll have lots of bad days. And, that, and actually, that continues happening. That's just called life. You know? But, it, but we don't have to... Those things don't have to dominate us. We can rise above it. And marriages that are strong and endure and are based on um, unselfish love for each other, which only God can give, those are marriages that rise above circumstances. We all have difficult circumstances and crises that come up. And if we started listing them, I know that many of you have worse things that I've ever experienced. So I don't mean to sound like um, you just pretend like everything is fine when it's not. But those those emotions and those things that have happened and those conflicts in our relationship don't have to control us. And I know too, when we have had a situation where maybe uh, one of the children was sick or there was some kind of an issue going on where we had not been together in a while, it really made for tension in our relationship. And we needed to just break that tension by coming together. Yeah. So. Just be aware of that. Um, be a blessing to each other. And ladies, we need to be attractive. To use what we have to the fullest. Whether you are 20 or whether you are 72. Which is moi. <laughs> because remember, he chose you to marry. Out of all the women, he chose you. So that that is a given. But... Um, we need to just do what we can to be attractive to him. Be rested. Think ahead. We already talked about that. Be aggressive. You can approach him first. You don't have to wait for him to 
approach you. Um, you know, again, this may be something that you you all go kind of like, well, yeah, but I tend to be more responsive than the one to take the initiative. So you can be the one to plan a romantic night uh, or just to uh, give him some, uh, come up to him and give him some affection. And it doesn't matter whether in your family, when you were growing up, people expressed physical affection to each other or not. That is something that communicates love to our husbands. So we need to do it. Find out what he likes and do it for him. If he wants you to nibble on his ear, then nibble on his ear. <laughs> Don't look at it first to see how clean it is. <laughs> Just enjoy. <laughs> uh, I need to stick to my notes. Excuse me. Okay. <laughs> because we want to be the one used by God to meet this need for a lifetime. That's God's plan. Okay, so be available to comfort him physically. And that's why I chose, instead of just talking about um, sexual, being sexually exciting, I chose to title this section, Be Available to Comfort Your Husband Physically. Because I think that, um, I think that's something God wants us to do. And that is a way that we show love to him. Okay, moving on. Next section. How are we doing? Uh, I'm from the yeah. South, and we tend to talk slow. So I need, <laughs> I need to speed it up a little. Stop with the comments, side comments. Okay? So the last area in this whole list of, of um, how to love our husbands is to be a lifelong companion to him. And... Um, Ecclesiastes 9 verse 7 says, Enjoy life with a woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life which she has given to you. So we need to enjoy our lives together. And um, it's so easy to get caught up in just the daily uh, grind of uh, taking care of the home. Um, if you work outside the home, going to work, uh, shuffling the kids around, taking care of a nursing baby, washing clothes, preparing meals, doing the shopping, um, whatever all your different activities are, it is so easy to get caught up in the things we're doing and just the busyness of life that we forget to enjoy our time with our husbands and to enjoy the fact that God's given us to each other to be lifelong companions. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Okay, great. Oh, and I'm sorry. Um, Sharon, I'm sorry. I apologize for interrupting the lesson. But Sharon, I just saw that you're having difficulty hearing. I'm sorry. Really, I'm sorry that that's happening. I don't know on my end what to do, and she may have had to leave. I don't see her name with us. But, and Chigo, I understand, uh, needed to leave so that she could go to a meeting. So that's, that is no problem. 
I didn't see them when they first posted their chat. So, um, okay. So, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So, even at the very beginning when Aunt when God created Eve, he didn't just randomly create a woman. He created her in a way that would be particularly suitable, or in some translations it says fit, like two pieces of a puzzle fitting together. Um, uh, Eve was created to make that kind of a match with Adam. And when God brings us together with our husbands, he brings us together to complement each other. Frequently you see in married couples that um, they are strong in different areas. And I think that is a good thing because it means we can help each other out. Uh, my husband is a lot more social than I am. And uh, he really keeps me from... Uh, from being super shy in social situations and helps draw me out. Uh, he says I'm his rock. So he says I help ground him. And I also know that there are times when I ask, act as his thermostat. When uh, things have gotten a little too hectic, I'm the one that can help kind of bring us down to where we are um, maybe not going in so many directions. Usually I do it by bursting into tears, but, but um, it is something that when we are both willing to let God use us in each other's lives, he can use for good in terms of our relationship and in terms of what we accomplish as a family. So study your man. What are his interests? Do you know how he spends his day? Do you know how he spends a particular day? For instance, today, did he have meetings? Was he going to be at his desk? Did he have to go out to uh, pick something up for the office? Was he going out to have an appointment with someone? Do you know what was going on with his day? Do you know what, um, what he enjoys doing in his free time? I mean, it sounds like, of course you would know because you live together. But sometimes we can, like I was just saying, get so caught up in daily life that we don't communicate about some of the other things. So study him. Um, it's real interesting as a mother to see my, I have three daughters and my son is also married. So I have three daughters and a daughter-in-law. It's very interesting to see them go into marriage and the different things they did to develop their relationship with their husband. Um, one of my daughters married a real outdoorsman. He loves to hunt and fish and go camping and hike around and do, he loves anything outdoors. She uh, was athletic, but she didn't necessarily do all those kind of outdoor activities, but she learned. She learned, even when he went hunting, she, uh, she learned how to shoot a bow because he used a bow when he was hunting. And she learned how to uh, sit quietly uh, while he was waiting for the animal to come up. Uh, sometimes she took a book, but she did sit there quietly with him and they were spending time together. Um, all of them have learned to cook. 
um, the types of foods that their husbands enjoy. And uh, it's interesting, recently when we all got together for a holiday, we were talking about what kind of meals, and I had the shocking realization that their holiday dinners didn't look like the ones they grew up with. One, uh, we make a, it's traditional in my part of the country, when we have a holiday meal to make a, they call it a dressing, but it's made with uh, uh, cornbread crumbs and eggs and different seasonings. And you um, mix it all together and then bake it in the oven. And it's kind of a, um, it's a, a starch, but it goes along with uh, a dish like chicken or turkey, um, that kind of a holiday meal. It takes, it's a little bit of work, so it's something you do for a special meal. Well, one of my daughters, when they, we were preparing this meal, well, she said, well, you know, Mom, my husband doesn't really care for dressing. And inwardly, I was going, oh, he doesn't like dressing, but it's a family recipe. You know, she said, he really likes this rice dish I make for him. Well, you know, once I thought about it, I thought, who cares what we eat? <clears throat> I'm all choked up. Let me get some water. <laughs> what matters is that she has made adjustments to make her husband happy, not that she forces him to eat something that she grew up eating just because of tradition. <laughs> <clears throat> My uh, youngest daughter, I'm sorry, I really am getting... My throat's dry. My youngest daughter married a man whose husband is from Mexico. And so he grew up uh, he grew up eating very different food from what we ate in our home. She has learned how to cook from his mother. Oh. <coughs> Sorry. Uh... Oh, it's okay. I just got too excited. <laughs> mm. Um <clears throat> So she learned, in particular, how to make this uh, flatbread called tortillas that um, is very is a staple in every meal in Mexico. And she's learned how to cook other things according to to what he likes. Um, now they eat what I would call American food too, but the thing is that she specifically asked his mother and hung around her so that she could learn how she <clears throat> made the some specific things that she made for him that he grew up associating with home and being again going to back to being your home a refuge he associated yeah. these things with being, being comfortable in his home and enjoying well fast forward to us uh, going to visit Taniform and Noella Peters in their home in Yande. And for one of the meals, uh, Noella spent the whole day in the kitchen and she was making some special dishes for Peters that came from his village. That yeah. And she didn't, uh, she said, well, you all can have some if you would like, but you probably won't like it. But this is Peter's favorite. And yeah. basically he ate the whole thing. So it was just as good <laughs> that he didn't want any. But it was a super treat for him, and he appreciated it so much. 
that she would make the time and the effort and hunt down the specific ingredients. Um, mm. And my daughter-in-law has done that to me. She specifically asked me, now, what are Sam's favorite meals? I, mm. I would like to find out what they are so I can make them for him. And she is a registered dietitian and has given all kinds of pod talks on nutrition and and cooking. So she is like a gourmet cook, makes her own bread and, you know, and here she is asking me, what are some of <laughs> Sam's favorite dishes? Yeah. So, you know, find out what your husband's favorites are and make them for him. Yeah. Study him. Respond positively positively to his request to do something together. Forget the I'm too tired excuse. Develop some common interests. Um, we are working on that now that our children are all grown because for a long time our common interests revolved around what the kids were doing. You know, if they, if they were in a particular sport, we went to all the games together or the different school activities together. So now that we are on our own, it's really kind of fun, but we are learning different things that we enjoy, the two of us. We enjoy travel, we enjoy um, going out together and uh, uh, running errands together. We are going to a baseball game tomorrow night Ooh. in the heat that we are going because it will be fun to do together. Um, so develop some common interests. It might be a sport, it might be an activity, it might be a hobby, something that you both enjoy doing together. And then learn about his work. I have a friend whose husband is a computer programmer. She is an oh. art history major, studied in Italy, you know, about as far from that as you can get. But she oh. took a course, she audited a course that was... Um, the particular program that her husband works in so yeah. that she could learn what he does and speak the same language. Because yeah. you know, oh. computer is a whole different language. Yeah. All the different terms and, and uh, applications. Um, yeah. Learn about his work. And then conquer your fears. Don't be so ruled by your emotions that your husband is afraid to share difficulties with you. He may have grown up not expressing his feelings, so that's not something you have to force him to do. But at the same time, if he comes home and says, oh, you know, they're downsizing at my office and I may lose my job. And if you go, ah, we'll have to move in with my mother, we'll lose the home, you know, blah, blah, blah then that's not going to make him feel like he can share things with you. But if instead you go, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Tell me what's happening and you can talk about it. But again, going back to what we said about your walk with God, if you are not walking with God and relying on his strength, then you can't handle stuff like that because it shakes your whole sense of security. But if your sense of security is in God and you truly believe that God is in control, and that he is going to work it out in a way that honors him, then you can be a helpmate to your husband, even in these difficult times, and not um, and be just be a support to him. 
uh, ask him how you can support his ministry and then do it. My husband teaches Sunday school and it is a real help to him if I go with him to his class and help uh, write things on the board or uh, put out the refreshments or greet people as they come in. So I don't teach a class myself. I'm a, I'm a school teacher by trade and the natural thing for me to do would be teach in the children's ministry because I taught primary school for 15 years, but I want to support John's ministry. So I am glad to help out in his Sunday school class. Um, be willing to support his gifts. If your husband is uh, gifted in the area of hospitality, then be willing to open your home to have people in for a Bible study or uh, some kind of a group meeting. Uh, doesn't matter whether your home is big or little or fancy or simple. If you are willing to open your home, that is will communicate so much to your husband. And it doesn't matter if you have small children at home. Again, if your children are under control, then you can um, set them up in an area with something to do, check on them regularly, um, explain to them what the situation is and how long they are going to need to be occupied or include them in what you're doing with the other people. Um, we frequently have um, social gatherings with our Sunday school class and most often we have an activity that the children can participate in as a part of that because we want parents to come and we know that if they can bring their children they are a lot more likely to come themselves so support your husband's gifts <coughs> um, give him some focused attention <coughs> here i am again just a second plan to be together uh, we love 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 our children and are so grateful that we have them and we're very much focused on them when they were little involved in their lives and in their activities but my husband needed some focused attention too so figure out a time to do that and then just be available communicate before taking on another responsibility put his schedule ahead of other activities I was offered, back when I was uh, teaching school, I was offered a job at a new school that was a much more prestigious position with better facility, uh, everything was new. Um, but um, as John and I talked about it, it was a lot farther from my home and was going to involve some uh, longer hours. Um, I was teaching in the same school my children went to so that uh, if they needed something in the day, they could find me. And I was very close to home, so um, if I needed to, um, it, it just made it very easy to get back and forth from school. So we decided that I would stay where I was and, and not accept this other position. My principal was not happy because he wanted me to take it. The new principal was not happy because he wanted me to take it. But it was more important to me to um, be available to my husband and my family 
And in the long run, that was more important than the extra money and the extra prestige in terms of the whole focus of our lives. That was a lot more important. I'm very grateful that we made the decision that we made. So, those are some practical ways to do this. Give him the best part of ourselves, not just the leftovers. Love is always a choice. Therefore, it is unconditional. We don't love our husbands because of how they love us. We love our husbands because God loved us first and he showed us what love is. And God's given them this, given us this man to shower our love upon. It's not based on circumstances. When I chose to marry this man, I pledged my love to him. The world says marriage is a convenience. God says it's a commitment. It's his gift of a special relationship to us. So we want to love our husbands with abandonment. And these have been, um, let's see, I guess six things. Yes, six different ways that we can show love to our husbands. So I hope that this has been a help today. Um, trying to think if I left anything out. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Some of you ladies are pregnant or you have very small children, nursing babies. Um, that is not a, that is a, um, a different situation than normal circumstances. So there are times in your lives, I just had surgery in April and was out of commission for about six weeks. So there are times in your lives whether, uh, that are not necessarily difficulties or bad things, but there are things that will impact you physically in terms of what you can do in a day. Make differences in your, uh, in your capacity and just in the, the things you are giving your time to. So, I don't want to make you cry by listening to all these different things and thinking, oh, I just don't think I can do this right now. Well, that's okay. The key point is to love your husband. And the, key, the keys to it are figuring out how to communicate to him that he is important to you and that you care about his happiness. Work on these things as God gives you the opportunity and as the Holy Spirit lays them on your heart. And know that um, you will have that baby. That baby will grow up. That baby will be able someday to dress themselves and do some things independently. And um, you will have opportunity to um, do some things that you can't do when you were pregnant and when you have tiny children. So um, don't let this be a burden for you, but let it be an encouragement and a challenge and um, maybe a motivation um, just to continue to grow in your love for your husband and in ensuring uh, that he knows that you love him and that he is aware of all the things that you were doing in order to communicate that love to him. So I hope that this has been helpful to you, and I hope that, um, that God will bless you in the days and the years ahead, and that uh, your marriages will grow, and you will, um, 
just enjoy the time you have together. So yes. let's let's pray. Uh, Mandy, can you pray for us? Yes. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together, learning from you. We are so grateful, Lord, because your word does not go out and return vain. Mm -hmm. We want to bless you, Father, because, because you want us, O oh Lord, to, to submit to your word and to enjoy these blessings that you have prepared already for us in our marriages. We are grateful to you, O oh Lord, because you are the one giving us the capacity to obey. Mm -hmm. We want to pray, O oh Lord, for each of us here, for the challenges we may have, for the areas in which we may still be weak, in terms of obeying, obeying to you, O oh Lord. We want to pray you will strengthen us. We want to pray you to work in our hearts, in whichever area, O oh Lord, we fail to obey your commands, you will strengthen us and you will grant us, O oh Lord, to obey you. So that more and more, Lord, our marriages will be honoring to you, will be an example, O oh Lord, that others will want to follow. Continue, O oh King of Kings, to glorify yourself in amen. our lives. Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you. Agnes, I wanted to find out how are you feeling? I don't know if you can if you can unmute, if you can talk. How are you doing? Hello. I'm so overwhelmed, so exhausted at this stage. Yes. Yes. The Lord is granting me grace daily. So you were about um seven and a half months? You're due in September? Eight and a half already. Ah, uh, eight and a half. Oh, my goodness. You are almost mm. there. Bless your heart. Okay. Mm. Well, we will keep praying. And how is little John doing? John is doing well. He will be two in a few days' time. Ah, that's great. <laughs> well, he, he doesn't know that his world is about to be rocked. Does he? <laughs> yeah. He will do fine. He will love this new baby. He will love this new baby. <laughs> well, I'm praying for you, Agnes. I'm praying for you. I know that um, God will bless you and your, he has given you growth in your family. And uh, we will just keep praying that this baby is happy and healthy and you do well in the delivery. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. You are welcome. Um, we went a little over. I apologize. I was waxing eloquently. But I did want, if anyone has questions uh, or something you wanted to bring up, I wanted to give you a chance for that. If you uh, need to sign off, that's fine, too. Give you a moment. The moment of silence. <laughs> Has Jodine had her baby? Does anyone know? You know, I have not heard. I need to ask John because her husband is in uh, one of his Tuesday studies. 
She was due. They were. She was going to go for a she week, and then they were going yeah. to induce. So, I would think she is, but I need to. Um, I'll find out from John. Thanks, Eleanor. Yeah, and let you all know <laughs> next week. Well, let's go on and sign off. Um, we will see you next week. Um, okay, is uh, Mandy? Is this your email that you sent? Somebody um, sent me an email. Nadesh, Nadesh email. Oh, Nadesh um, email. Okay. Nadesh, mine, I can send you the uh, notes. Yes, mine is already in the mailing list. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, no okay good. Yeah. Well, you are so welcome, Nadesh. I am um, so glad that you joined us today, and I pray that this will be a blessing for you. Okay, send to me. Yes. Okay, ladies, well, we will see you next week, uh, same time, same link, and uh, next week we will be talking about, um, I think it's loving our children. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong place. Okay, yes. So that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Okay, so we'll be talking about loving our children next week, same time. So I hope you have a great week. I hope God will encourage your hearts and draw you close to him. And go, go tell your husbands how much you love him when you see him. Probably for you all, it's already nighttime, so. Okay. I will talk. Thanks, I will Eleanor. see you again Thanks, next lady. week. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. 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 Good night. Good, sweetie. Did you were you in the living room or did you go in our room? No, I was in our room. Oh, good. I was afraid I was too loud. No. Mm -mm. No. How'd it go? Yeah, it went well. It's interesting. Uh, only one of the Nigerian ladies was here today, but I knew that they were. Um... Is your recorder still on? Oh.